Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of T-Bone Speaks. I'm your host, T-Bone, and today I'm joined by a good friend, a fellow colleague, and a fellow brown person, uh, Dr. Neil Patel. And, um, uh, you know, Patel is probably the most common brown name I think there is in this country. Yeah, and in fact, it is. Hello, everyone. My name is Neil Patel. Um, I just told him what your name was. Yeah, thank you very much, T-Bone. So <laughs> sometimes they can't hear your voice. I, I, I not really? see it a little bit more clearly. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're kidding me? How can people not hear my voice? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's true. I think uh, Patel is going to be taking over the, the world. Do you uh, drive a taxi point. cab? Uh, I don't. I think I have a lot of family members who do. Communion but, store? Uh, certainly, yeah. Have, I, yeah, we have, you have You have a communion store? I personally don't, but uh, what about Dunkin' Donuts? No, no Dunkin' Donuts either. I I just finally got into the restaurant business. So that's, that's but Indians, start, but you're yeah. doing a high end restaurant. Indians typically don't do that. That's true. What that's about true. motels? You must be in the motel. I'm business. not in the motel business, but I, my family family members are. I have uncles and aunts who are in, in the motel. That business. That means you're so. you're a one percent investor. Of I'm some trying sort. to be outside the box, Patel. Okay. I'm not uh, not trying to fit into a category that uh, is overwhelmed with convenience store owners, motel owners, physicians. I, I think but I your dad's to, a physician. My dad's a physician. That's correct. Uh, I'm trying to do something different. Do they yeah. make any stupid Indians? Oh, plenty of them, but they stay in India. They stay. Oh, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. See, so we're only importing the good ones. The good ones get imported. The ones that can actually financially thrive in the, in okay. the country. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then what about the IT folks? IT folks. Uh, well, well, these days they can just uh, telecommunicate, right? So they don't even have to bring them over. But you so. know, here's the difference in yeah. you. I'm typical Indian. I dress like Indians. I wear yeah. tennis shoes, yeah. polyester pants. <laughs> I mean, you wear a three piece suit for God's sake. I, I have to. I have to at least uh, be uh, different uh, than than my fellow Patels. But uh, yeah. You know, I think um, I've de- developed my own style and my own flair. But um, at the end of the day, when you strip off my three-piece suit, I'm still an Indian for sure. I'm not so. interested in stripping anything with you, Neil, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that is your own deal. Okay, All right. So let, let's start yeah. here, okay? So um, who is Neil Patel yeah. and why should our listeners know you? So, uh, you know, listen, Neil Patel, I don't know what's been said out there, what people have in, in their mind in terms of what they've heard about me in the past. But until they get to know me, I, I don't think that it's fair for anyone to pass judgment on me. I honestly am just a wet-fingered uh, dentist. Um, I'm a family person. I have three girls, a beautiful wife uh, who I love dearly. Um, I've got a, a practice that I've built from scratch that I've poured my uh, poured my energy into with blood, sweat, and tears. And um, and uh, I'm a I'm a product of uh, of American culture, but uh, Indian ancestry. Were you born here in America? I was born in Ohio, raised in Ohio. Um, small town. Small town. Like uh, how small? Small town meaning thirty thousand people. Oh, that's yeah. huge. Uh, is it huge compared yeah. to what? I grew up in six thousand. Oh wow, that is, that's that is smaller. Yeah, yeah, but were there other brown people there? There were no other brown people. Okay, there, so that so. was kind of like me. Well, actually, there were other brown people where I lived, but we all every motel in my town was owned by an Indian. <laughs> every motel. And th- that was you well no no we didn't know all of that okay okay no not not then at least you know (laughs) that's too funny so you left out what about being a dj so oh so you know that's that's one of the oh just so you know just uh, Um, just forget that bungra dj no i was a house dj so i did house music dance music uh chicago house uh but that that started back in college in fact I, i had always loved music i had a great collection of music that i acquired over the course of time and 
long story short, there was a party in college where I was asked to spin at and uh, because I had a good collection. Like when you say up, spin, like my yeah, age group, yeah. that means like uh, like breakdancing on the ground. <laughs> so literally, literally, we had turntables and CDJs and um, I was asked to spin a party and, and that's where I realized that I was passionate about music and, and DJing and that became a career that I You had. made money doing this? I, had, I made money in, in college. That's what uh, put me through dental school too. Yeah. So. Not that your dad didn't put you to death. You know what? The reality was is that uh, in my culture and in my family, I was raised and groomed to be a physician. And uh, I fell short because I, I had to someday tell my family that I was not interested in becoming a physician, but in fact, a dentist. And and they, they're not even a real, doctor, a real doctor. It's not a real doctor. We do street dentistry, <laughs> yeah. and it, as, as you've probably seen in the YouTube videos, and they were worried that that's what uh, was going to become of me here in the United States, but. You know, I won them back over eventually, and they realized. That and now they, they wish they were dentists. For you God got sense. it right. So you know, the thirty physicians in my family who constantly gripe and complain. This uh, podcast is dedicated to you. Yes, cause, exactly. Because we have nothing to gripe and complain about in dentistry. You know, you're my yeah. first brown guest. No well, way. Well, if I count Hutan. He's Iranian. He's Iranian. Persian, yeah. Iranian. I don't. I don't want to be incorrect there. But. Yeah, he is a brown guest, I yeah, guess. But he is of, technically he's white. Dude. He's really white. Yeah. I mean, he's light skinned. Yeah. Even yeah. if you talked to him, if you had a He looks more on. Mexican than anything else, quite honestly. That's true, yeah. He does, especially with the shaved head We should head do a stuff. background check on him. We should. We should find out if Hutan's even real. <laughs> That's not his real name, okay? He's really Jose. Jose. <laughs> <laughs> but he was hiding in Southern California. All right, so listen. I, listen, selfishly, I want to talk about your practice, okay? okay? Because quite honestly, I'm unbelievably jealous. Uh, you made me feel bad about myself last week in Des Moines. Uh, so Neil and I speak together uh, quite a bit. Uh, we do the uh, 3D summits that are put on by uh, Densefly Serona and Patterson. It's weird saying Densefly Serona, by the way. I still think it's Serona. I, that's, I just want to live in the good old days with just Serona, go. you know. Yeah. And um, and they're a lot of fun, honestly. I, I look Great forward fun. to the, these events. It's hanging out with everybody and seeing our friends and, and shoot and shop. And, and I, I try to pick Neil's brain because I want to know what can I do in my practice to be more like Neil? And there are parts of your practice I would never want to, like some of the people that you deal with and some of the the, the, the characters and, and the demands that you have. Uh, I wouldn't want that, but uh, certainly um, the production and the types of cases and the fees that you're able to charge, you know, I want some of that. You I know? appreciate that. I'm blessed to be in the position I'm in, you know, certainly – um, I'm proud of my practice. There's a lot of areas that I actually need to grow, and it's mutual. I think yeah, like there's things that you're doing that deal. I need to do. Yeah, <laughs> like this know. whole life balance deal. There we go. Uh, the that I mean, the fact that you've really taken sleep by the horns and oh yeah, I got to show you a picture a little later. Absolutely. But uh, so talk. Give give us a, a brief overview yeah. of what is your practice. You know, you know, how would you describe your practice if you were talking to another dentist on the show? Sure. Uh, and how would you tell, what would you say about your practice? So I took a leap of faith in 2007, decided to start my own practice. And you were straight out scratch, of school? Straight out of school. Not not even an associateship or anything? No, nothing. I was so not So straight in, out of dental, well, you did a one-year residency. I, I did a one-year residency in implant prosthodontics at uh, The Ohio State University. The, why do you guys have the, to put the? The, always have to What happens it. if you lost, what if we got rid of the word the? You, you can't. It's, it's legally binding, actually. Okay. Yeah, so... Well, the, I think the whole dictionary. Did I ever tell you the story about my grandfather? He used to lock me in the closet and tell me to read the dictionary. I thought he still does that. No, no, he, he's passed away. I'm but, sorry to hear that. No, no, but, but it's been a long time. He would lock me in the closet. And the one time he put me in a closet that didn't have a light bulb. <laughs> Teach you a lesson. Teach me a lesson. And he'd get in. You read the A's and you come out. I will test you on the A's. And he'd literally go through the dictionary and, and ask me words and definitions. So and how stuff. come you never entered the spell? Spelling bee. Listen, that is an. I forgot to ask you as an Indian, do you do spelling bees? I, I missed out on it. I was from uh, a small town and didn't get to compete with the big boys. Yeah, you know, I, I would have I, failed miserably, though, uh, to well, be quite yeah, honest. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, back to your practice. Okay. So you did a one-year residency. I did a one-year residency and decided, look, I don't like the way half the people in private practice practice. It just doesn't make any sense. It didn't appeal to me. And I didn't want to get stuck in someone else's box doing dentistry the way they knew how to do it. And, you know, I had been reading all of these articles of German dentistry and going digital. And this was back in 2005, 2006. And, and I, I realized that I could certainly follow the traditional pathway of becoming an associate and working for someone else. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't be able to do the kind of dentistry that I wanted to as quickly as I wanted to adopt that kind of dentistry. So took a leap of faith and decided to build a practice 
No, more than just a practice, you built a building. I built a building. I bought property while I was in dental school, and I leveraged some of the property by doing a lot split. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot split and leveraged the additional parcels uh, uh, back to the bank and um, came to an agreement where they would facilitate building a building for me. And uh, that's that's where it all started. So I went big. Um, I knew that if I was going to do this, I'd rather fail while I was young um, and recoup later than then uh, start off with a building that I couldn't grow into. So. Yeah. So, so, you know, I look at this this way. I say, if you're going to fail, let's just fail big, dude. Fail big. I mean, if you're yeah. going to go bankrupt, who cares if you go bankrupt over a dollar or a million dollars, right? You got it. So, you all right, it. so you built this You built this building I straight out of school, straight out of your residency. School. You got it. And uh, outfitted it with everything that I could possibly think of. And I think I took some risks that I probably, looking back, would have said, no, I should have dialed it back a little bit because it was difficult to keep my head above water. It put a lot of stress on you know, on my family, put a lot of stress on my wife. And at this time, were you married? I was married. I uh, got married in dental school in, in my third year. So, you know, my wife was kind of the backbone for uh, for all of this and facilitated certainly um, keeping me in check and certainly helping me with the business aspect while I focused on the dentistry. So, honestly, she took a, the brunt force of all of the all of the challenges. And um, so I'm thankful to her that she kept me in line. But uh, the reality is... She probably is, won't listen to this. You don't have to be nice to her. Uh, I know. I just figured just in case if someday <laughs> she does listen to <laughs> so it. So like yeah. I record it and send it to her. Yes, a- absolutely. <laughs> That'd be perfect. So thank you, Ami, for doing that. But um, I, I couldn't I couldn't say that I'm What here. was it like it in the beginning? Own. So did you go yeah. fee for service to begin with? Did you take <clears> insurance? It, how, did, how did you yeah. decide what you were going to be? You know, or did you even know what you I were didn't know be? what I was going to be? Honestly, I built a ten thousand square foot practice, thinking I was going to have fourteen or fifteen operatories, and I was going to do all of this by myself and have three hygienists and just run in circles all day and produce, produce, produce. And I came to realize that I was actually pretty slow as a dentist, and I didn't think that the volume business model was going to work for me. And I realized that within the first year. That's where I had to really rescript the way I was going to conduct my business and decided that I did want to, in fact, do more of a boutique style where I focus on a case-by-case basis. I recognized early that general dentistry, although that was by degree uh, what I was practicing, I, I was really interested in comprehensive care where if a patient needed a couple teeth moved, I wanted to be able to move those teeth. I didn't want to have to rely necessarily completely on my specialist, although I honored that relationship and certainly knew where to draw the line, I wanted to explore, you know, the different facets of dentistry and have an involvement and and feel like I can orchestrate everything better so that uh, the final result was was something that I was more involved in as opposed to just delegating it out and outsourcing to to other other specialists. So the first year, the first year, you didn't, you weren't, you were just going to be, I I call it the typical Indian mentality. You got it. You want to be, you know, just all things for all people, as big as you can make it possibly, you know, just die of old, you know, die die of heart disease young, you know, but hopefully with a lot of money in the mattress. Uh, And then the one year later, about 2008, you decided to make a shift and become a boutique style practice. That's correct. I I realized that the clientele I was drawing in because of the facility and the quality of, you know, the finishes in my practice, it attracted a certain kind of clientele. And now did you set, when you built this place, did you set out to do that? I didn't. I knew that I liked finer things in life and Mm -hmm. I wanted to build something that had higher end finishes just for me and my own personal Like glass doors that smoke when you close them? You got it. Yeah. So I have (laughs) privacy glass and LED lighting everywhere and just really high-end modern finishes that um, I really did for myself because I didn't want to get bored of dentistry. I saw so many of my mentors and faculty that were bored of dentistry. They were just doing the routine stuff that they were doing day in and day out, and I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to enjoy my environment. I wanted to cultivate a Google-like atmosphere for my team so I could acquire the best team and give them an environment that was conducive to doing great dentistry. All right, so define complex care for me. Complex care is, is having the ability to, to take care of a patient from start to finish, certainly delegating certain components of the treatment where necessary, but having the end vision in mind and working backwards uh, to reconstruct their mouth, whether it's something conservative or even more invasive, but having the ability to take a patient from start to finish and accomplish something that has multiple facets in care. So certainly including all of the facets that we're accustomed to, where it's general restorative dentistry to prosthodontic applications and fixed rehabilitation, introducing implants as a teeth, uh, a tooth replacement solution as opposed to bridge work, having the ability to uh, do minor tooth movement to accommodate uh, minimally invasive reduction in tooth structure, 
to addressing uh, periodontal disease and or uh, reconstructing uh, gingival and soft tissues through periodontal plastic surgery, having the ability to augment bone from a surgical aspect, and at the end of it, still have the ability to showcase a smile and classify and categorize it as a cosmetic case. I got you. So what what you said, so so you talked a lot of big words there. Okay. Okay, So so I like to keep it simple uh, for our listeners. So what I have found over the years in my own journey is that you may not like, let's just give you an example. Say, hey, you don't like doing soft tissue surgery, okay? Sure. But the, it's a component and aspect of the treatment that you're providing. And I think what happens is too often we, as dentists, block ourselves from learning about things that we don't like to do. Exactly. And what it does is it limits our ability. So you said something very important there. You talked about the, seeing a vision for the final result. Yeah. And if you don't understand, maybe you don't do pla- perioplastic surgery, maybe you don't do soft tissue surgery. I know you do, yeah. but let's say you don't. You have to understand it because that way you can look at something and collaborate instead of That's just correct. farming out your patient to the periodontist yeah. and, and believing everything that they say, which they may just believe in 1980s techniques, right? Sure. Uh, when you have an understanding, uh, that allows you to to be able to treat the patient whole. I agree. Whether you physically do it or not, but I call that being the conductor of the orchestra. Yeah. Uh, so as the general dentist, at the end of the day, your patient's coming to you to get a result, okay? And then you're the general contractor, the conductor of the orchestra, and sometimes there are things that you can do, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's things that you can't do. And you have to sub it out. And you got to sub it out, right? But ultimately, that vision of the final result comes from the general contractor. Absolutely. One thing that I've observed is that often general dentists are not comfortable diagnosing and absolutely treatment planning what they want for their patients, and they rely on their specialists to do it for them. And that's where all of the mistakes happen. And specialists, yeah. and listen, my brother's a specialist, yeah. my best friend's yeah. a specialist. My sister's a specialist. <clears throat> yeah, she's yeah. a pediatrician, you know, so... Yeah. so um, Specialists aren't bad, but their tunnel vision to a certain degree, you know, they see... They see wisdom teeth, they see extractions, right? Yes. You know, they see, you know, gingival defect, they see soft tissue surgery, right? They see tooth infection, they see root canal, right? And I think what happens is we're all tunnel vision to a certain degree. And one of the complaints I hear from a lot of dentists is, hey, I want to do more complex cases. And the first thing I tell them is then you need to learn how to diagnose and do that treatment, you know, the overall treatment. Now, you may not actually have to be able to do it, Mm -hmm. but you need to be able to know what's possible so that you can diagnose and you can direct what's going on so that you're not beholden to somebody else what their limitations themselves may be. Absolutely. It's been quite difficult sometimes for general dentists to actually conduct a case from start to finish because perhaps they're not utilizing the right tools. And what, what you and I both utilize in our camera to, as a starting point is digital SLR pictures. Yeah, number one right? technology, number one. I say. First Talk and me foremost, about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually something that has become a starting point for all of my cases where we take images, they're diagnostic images of the current situation, and we're evaluating our patients using concepts uh, driven by facially facially generated treatment planning. That's a, a term that's often Frank been Spear. Yeah. associated with Frank Spear. But the, you know, to be quite honest, that term is has been uh, has been modified and adapted over the course of time. And and Frank Spear has the ability to teach that. Um, but it's something that we've known about for a long time. Orthodontists have been doing that yep. for a long time. It's facially generated. Well, it's denture planning. work. At the end of the day, if you exactly. think about it, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I look at every case as. If I had no teeth there, if I had a yeah. clean slate, where would I set these teeth up? Absolutely. Right? And then say, okay, what do I got to do to get yeah. those teeth, natural teeth, yeah. in that position? Absolutely. And the supporting structures that go there. Yeah. And, and the difference is, is, is very simple. There are some of us as dentists who prepare teeth, for example, for anterior work. Let's just say we're doing eight units in the anterior, right, for an aesthetic case. The difference is that although you and I or some other dentist might be able to get the incisal edges where we want them, the difference in how you manage the case uh, when you lift the lip up mm-hmm. is what shows the true skill set. Yeah. Because the reality is, is there's a group of us who actually put the finish line to where the current gingiva exists, and that's to accommodate the current situation. But there's a few of us who also take into account the gingival aspect of the case. And the pink. The pink. Not and, just the white. And often we have to augment the pink to address the levels of the gingivo, either through osseous approach and or soft tissue approach. But to realize and recognize that before you start treatment is best idealized and visualized through smile pictures, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at a patient's face and understanding 
where the teeth are, where the teeth should be, where the pink is, and where the pink should be. And that's a starting point for generating a good treatment plan. So I want to give the listeners three, um, three things I want them to do. And here's the great news. A lot of this doesn't cost any money. Okay? It does not. So in Europe, there's this big movement towards understanding the pink and the white. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and what, I found, what I find in America, and I'm not – listen, I'm, Ameri- I'm American. I love American dentistry. I'd never want to live anywhere else. But too often, we, we get, become tunnel vision in that we see cavity, we see filling, we see broken down tooth, we see crown. And what you're talking about is seeing everything. So where somebody can learn, where I've learned a lot of this, just from an exposure level, has been on Facebook. Okay? So yeah. uh, there's two groups I want people to consider joining on Facebook. One is Style Italiano. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys will make you sick. Uh, guys and gals will make you sick because their work is so unbelievably good. Exquisite. Exquisite dentistry, exquisite photography, exquisite documentation. Uh, probably much of it un- unrealizable in real life, certainly within our fee structures that we have or maybe the fee structures I have in my practice. But if nothing else, it gives you an, a, an opportunity to see what's possible mm-hmm. and to maybe challenge yourself. Uh, the other group I would suggest on Facebook is Nexus, N-E-X-U-S. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, that group is fantastic as well, mainly uh, international dentists uh, who are sharing cases. And it's much more multidisciplinary. I agree. Uh, uh, that's there. And the other thing that I want to promote uh, uh, or at least encourage people to do is is to take a look at a concept called DSD, Digital Smile Design, made popular by Christian Coachman. I don't know who ultimately developed it. But if you look on Facebook for him and digital smile design, there's lots of opportunities there. If you search on YouTube, there's lots of ways to learn how to do that. And if you search on the Google digital smile design, there's lots of um, things available to learn that. And and ultimately, what, what often happens is, or what happened for me as an insurance-based practice, I said, well, that doesn't fit into my practice. But what really happened is when I still said, you know, I want to learn about this and I want to implement this, one case came up. And then the next case came yeah. up. And it's amazing how as you learn, your eyes see things differently. So if all I had was a screwdriver, a Phillips and a flathead screwdriver. That's all I did, right? Yeah. But as soon as I got some nails, I could hammer. And as soon as I got – like I, I'm not a, a, a tool guy, by the way. Okay? So, <laughs> I so that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much <laughs> that's where it. I go. You know, I, got, I, got, I got a phone that can call a handyman. Okay? There you go. But as um, soon as I learned those things and I could see those things, but more importantly – when I was able to communicate those things to patients mm-hmm. using DSD or using, you know, just photography. And these are patients you never thought would ever even consider the treatment, And they, right? they're there yeah. because you take the insurance, at least yeah. in my practice, right? And, um, and it's amazing when you show them and they say, okay, what would that look like? How would that work? And you start having these conversations and then my team members see us having these conversations and I'll walk in and they say, hey, I told Mrs. Jones that you would do the smile analysis on them because she had mentioned she may be interested in fixing her smile yeah. and we don't know if this is needed. And next thing you know, it's not I'm not doing as much of that stuff as you are, but the next thing you know, I'm doing way more of that than most PPO dentists. I, I think the reality is, is we sell our patients short. And, I, and we I sell ourselves short. We sell ourselves short. But do not pass judgment on a patient. Never sell them short because you have no idea how many times I walk into my practice thinking this patient's never going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And they're prepared to do A, B, C through X, Y, and Z. Once they see the value. Once they see the value. And once you show them. Exactly. And then, so to me, I'll always go back to it. My number one technology, listen, we speak for Serona, Dentsply Serona. Uh, we speak for implant companies. I will still always go back to the number one tool we have in our practice is a digital SLR. Not an intraoral camera, a digital SLR that takes good quality photographs with a 100 millimeter uh, macro lens and a ring flash. Or when you get to your level, maybe a stereo flash, because I assume that's what you're probably using. I'm still in the ring flash. I'm cheap. I don't want to buy a new one. It it doesn't matter what flash it is, but it has to be a digital SLR. And you have to be able to take a series of pictures and teach your team how to take it for you as well. And show your patients right on the spot, because that's the other thing that we see a lot of clinicians who take beautiful pictures. But they actually never take the time to organize their pictures and then also show other patients and educate other patients on what they're capturing, yeah. let alone the patient that they're taking pictures of. You know, I got a, a good story that will segue into something else for us. So I remember having a conversation with you about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was asking you because you brought you, you know, to our programs, your assistants come with you to assist with the live surgeries. And, you know, I was talking to them. I'm like, God, they're so good. 
you know, they're well-versed, they know what's going on, they support you very well, and you talk, they talk fondly of you, and, they, and they, you talk fondly of them about how much they help your practice. And I remember I was talking to you about how much you pay your team members, mm-hmm. and uh, you shared with me what you pay them, and I was like, good God. That's a lot of money, but um, so the you know the 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 overhead penny guy in me said, "Why would you pay that?" Okay, sure, and then, absolutely. And yeah. then I said to myself, I got home and I said, "You know what? Maybe that's why he has good people, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why your practice is doing so well is that you're surrounded by good team members." And I don't think paying people makes them good. Yeah. I think giving them the opportunity to earn more and rewarding them for the results. Helps keep good people like your team won't leave Absolutely. you. You know what? Where are they going to go? I'm going to turn it back on you because I actually learned that from you, whether you realize this or not. About six years ago when we first met, seven years ago when we first met, you said, I only surround myself with winners. Yeah, and I that do. Stuck that's with the only me. people that stick around with me. <laughs> because I'll drive the losers that, away. That concept stuck with me, whether it's at practice with my staff, whether it's with um, my social interactions with friends and people in the neighborhood and the community. If you have that mindset to surround yourself with winners, it elevates everything. And we define winners differently, right? We do. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't have to be monetarily. But that's what. Yeah. But see, too much we think yeah. about winners as money. Yeah. And yeah. and I'll tell you, I don't surround myself with people that have lots of money because I don't want to become that person that right. I'm so driven by money. To me, I surround myself. I look at you. You have a better family balance, and I'm sure it's not as good as you want it to be with as much speaking you do. But you have a better family balance than I do. So I look at that. I look at some of my friends and they're like, hey, they play more golf than I do. You know, the, the saying is that you're an average of the five people you hang out with. Ah, you know, that's another thing I learned from you. Yeah. So, 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 you know, and, and in dentistry, people say, you know, my associate says to me, why are you so passionate about dentistry? I go, dude, if you come hang out with me and see the dentists I hang out with, I have no choice. Yeah. But to be, you know, when I hang out with Neil <laughs> yeah. Patel, Samir Puri, and, and August, and Jay, and a lot of these people, that's who I hang out with in dental circles. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no level of stupidity that you can have around them. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to accept, I mean, they're going to kick me out of the club before you know it. <laughs> I thought we kicked you out a long time ago. I just keep coming back. You keep coming back. And I'm he doesn't so even mean, need an invitation. I'm just, he you know, just shows you up. Know, you know, if you, if you cross me, I'll threaten to kill you, you know. <laughs> or sit on us. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. That too. So, okay. So talk to me about being insurance free. So insurance free, you know, we started out being very driven by insurance. And then I realized that insurance was something that the patients relied upon to accomplish the dentistry that they were hoping to accomplish. And and the moment that we recognized that it was holding us back, we decided to go fee-for-service. Now, the reality is, is that going fee-for-service doesn't mean you don't accept insurance. We accept insurance. We help our patients. Do you file for them? We do file for them. That's a service that do you I feel... Ac- do you accept assignment is, of benefits? We do not. Okay. No. So, you know, the reality is, is that it's, it's, it's something that's important to patients, but it gives us a chance to actually help them to understand how insurance should be utilized and could be utilized. And we don't allow it to overstep what we need to do for our patients. It's certainly there, but we want to make sure that patients learn that insurance is not going to cover what they hope and dream for their mouths. The reality is is that insurance is obviously not kept up with the needs of our patients, with with uh, inflation and everything else, insurance is just not the okay. name of the don't, game. Don't give me right? that bulk. So. Don't give me the whole in 1970 when they started insurance. You know, anytime, anytime these gurus go into that, I'm like, dude, shut up. Yeah. You know, like, come on. At the end of the day, I look at it. So I look at insurance differently, and we've talked about this. Sure, okay? absolutely. I look at insurance as building a base practice that allows me to pay my bills and uh, allows me to uh, be able to grow into the practice personally that I want. And that's the part that I'm trying to selfishly get out of you is is you've managed to do that without the insurance, which is fantastic. So now that's the phase of my career that I'm in mm-hmm. where I want to say, hey, I don't want to give away the insurance practice that I have. Okay? No, and you don't because have it's made, to. It's because it's made yeah. me a lot of money and it's made me successful, right? Yeah. And it's allowed me to pay my bills. But now I want to transition myself mm-hmm. Into the type of dentistry that you're doing. And I, listen, I do the type egotistically. I do the type of dentistry you're doing. I don't charge enough for it, okay. and I don't do enough of it. So let's talk about fees. How did you get to a point where I mean, I don't and I, I don't say this lightly. I don't want to say that you're expensive because I know that, that can be taken as a negative connotation. But ultimately, you're expensive. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. 
Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Sure. No, absolutely. And I've been told that. Um, the reality is, is that we set our fees so that we can do the quality of dentistry that, that, that we want without having to sweat about the actual margins and everything else that we have. honestly have business to worry margins. about the business margins, right? So what we've re- figured out over the course of time is that we're catering to a subset of people who want the best. And with the best, as long as we explain to them the cost associated with that, we have the ability to set our fees where we want because we've established a system of value that our patients are coming to us for. But that also means that you provide them, you cater to them to a certain degree. We do. We have a red carpet service. You know, we have staff members who actually go to the homes of our patients at times of you know, if a patient goes through surgery, we have staff who on their own, by the way, I don't have to tell them, hey, go check on Mrs. Smith. You know, they'll actually call Mrs. Smith after hours uh, when they've already clocked out, okay, and see how Mrs. Smith but you, is doing. So right? You said something. Your team doesn't clock in and clock out. They don't, no. Okay, so yeah. so, so yeah. my office is the same way. You know, I remember uh, I had somebody came in and said, you need to put a, a time clock. I'm like, no, the hell I don't. Yeah. I don't even create that concept of a time clock yeah. in and clock out in my office. Yeah, we are very much like a Google office, right? You come in and you go as you please. At the end of the day, we have patients that we need to see. Yeah, but if they leave they you in the middle of surgery, they probably won't be coming they back. They won't be coming back. <laughs> you got that right. So, you know, we have a campus in our office where – our staff do not clock out for lunch. Um, we don't require that they do certain things that traditionally offices should be doing. But the reality is we cultivate an environment where our staff members really are treated like team members. I can't go through a procedure without Faith helping me on a surgery, for example, or Mariana helping me on a reconstruction case. And they know that. And we work as a team to And the patients have relationships, not inappropriately, but with your patients. Absolutely. Because you know, same, we're seeing that in our office. You know, yeah. Liz is my main assistant and and I have patients that email her directly instead of me. Absolutely. And I, yeah. you know, quite honestly, I love that. I mean, that's great. It, you know, it, yeah. it's good. I mean, bother yeah. me less, right? Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah. uh, you know, and, and I tell patients, here's my cell phone number. If you need me on the weekend, she goes, oh, I'll just call Liz. Yeah. You know, and, and that's good because what happens is when I tell them they need something, there's that, yeah. okay, well, he needs a new Mercedes or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. And, uh, or, but when Liz tells them that, they're like, okay, Liz has my best interest at heart. Absolutely. And, that, and that's where magic happens. Yeah. If you can cultivate that with your own team. And, and I'm not saying everyone should just j- jump into it without having some systems and protocols. It takes time. It takes time to develop. Yeah. But if you cultivate that, it dramatically changes your business. But it's interesting you talk about systems and protocol. I think um, we have to have agreements and rules, yeah. and, and I call it being... Um, Boundaries. Yeah, but I, I call it being firm in principle, flexible in procedure. I think sometimes when we create practices that have too many systems, mm-hmm. it forces people to really only think about the system and not think outside the system. And and the the, the what the culture I try to cultivate is, uh, and and I, I feel funny as a non Christian saying this, uh, but do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm-hmm. And I want our team members to say, you know, they say, what well, what do you want me to do here? I go, what would it do? What would you do if you owned the business or if you were the patient? Yeah, what would make you happy there? That's smart. You know, and and sometimes they make decisions I don't like. Yeah. And I always support them on that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they make decisions that are better decisions than I would make myself. That's what makes a good leader. In a way, right? Yeah. But I call it being lazy. <laughs> That's your vision of it. But the reality is... My is belly that... tells me other things. You know? <laughs> That's too funny. So yeah, you're insurance-free. I'm insurance-free. And you don't see yourself changing that. I don't see myself <clears throat> changing that because I feel that the trend in dentistry 
for the kind of dentistry that I want to accomplish. Insurance is not an issue anyway. It's not. It's not an issue. So tell, yeah. when you say the kind of dentistry, what what do you mean by that? You know, uh, there are times where Give I... Give me examples. Yeah, you know, for example, we have a patient that um, has mandibular dentition that's terminal in nature where, yeah, someone could say... Where do you learn these words from? Uh, hanging out with people like you. Not for me. Not I can, me. I, I've never used the word. The only time I say the word terminal is when yeah. I'm talking about the airport. Turns out, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, we have situations where, you know, as a dentist, I know what I can accomplish for my patient. The reality is, is I'm often... I'm perplexed when I see my colleagues who don't even want to discuss those things because they're afraid of what the patient's going to think when they realize what it costs. I try to create a, a relationship with my patient where I ask permission. Yeah, you ask them what they want. I, I ask permission to tell them what I think is appropriate, whether they choose to do it or not, whether they choose to have me do it or not. At least I have a, a, an open invitation to discuss what their options are and give, give me a chance to share with them what their options are and educate them about the process and the costs and certainly allow them to make those decisions. I can help them with those decisions, but I'll never force them into a situation. You said a key word there, permission. Yeah. You know, I, I always get permission from my patients. And and people think of permission as asking for permission. And yeah. and I don't look at it that way. I think of sometimes it's statements that you say. Uh, you know, like, uh, let's say, let me break it simple, okay, not a complex case. Yeah. Uh, Neil, you come to me with a broken tooth number 19. Okay, I think the first thing that happens is you got to take a photograph of it. Sure. Okay, I take that photograph, I put it up on the screen, and I would say, Neil, uh, what do you want to do about that? Yeah. And what's the patient's typical response is, you tell me, doc. Yeah, and, I'm here for yeah, a reason. So, so yeah. what is that? That's permission. Yeah. That's now permission for me to tell you what I would do if that were me. That's correct. Which is ideal treatment. Yeah. You know, and so the same thing with the smile. Or same well, thing well, with the missing tooth. Let's go back to that, right? Number 19 breaks. What do most dentists do? They fix number 19. Yeah. And then in the future, maybe they'll talk about the other teeth. But the reality is, is what 19 defines, broke for a reason. 19 broke for a reason. What we do is we define certainly the options in fixing number 19 like we all do. But then we take it up to the next level. We in say, addition to in, that. In addition to that. You know, we, we can say, look at what caused this to happen. That's correct. We say, Mrs. Smith, yes, this tooth is broken. Here are the options in fixing it. But let's really take a look at the big picture. Because if this one broke, you have other teeth that look very similar to that yeah. one that just broke. So we need to think about those things. I'm not asking you to make a decision today, but I want you to come back so we can reevaluate where we're at to make sure that you don't come back on a frequent basis fixing broken teeth. I'd rather address what needs to be addressed so that we can prevent this from happening. So that's called being proactive, proactive versus reactive. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. We practice much alike. I just I just get paid 10 cents on every dollar. <laughs> so that's something that it, it becomes a habit. It becomes a habit because that's what the staff are used to. That's what patients become used to. And you train your patients to assume that that's what your fee structure is. I didn't change my fee structure until recently. About three years ago, we did a fee analysis. And we realized that, you know... Your this, fees weren't high enough? The fees weren't high enough. Despite the fact... Listen, despite the fact that I had a very high fee structure, we found out through a fee analysis, uh, third-party service, that we were on certain procedures 50 percentile. And I looked back and I said, you know, with the fact that how much I bend over for my patients, my staff bends over for my like patients. Like you come in and sometimes you talk to me about going to work at 4 o'clock in the morning. 4 o'clock, 2 a.m., staying until midnight. You know, the kinds of clientele that I'm attracting these days have demands. And those demands are demands that most people who are sane would not accommodate <clears throat> um, because there's balance in life. But I've cultivated an environment where that's something that patients, if they need, we, we, we accept. So you don't say no? We never say no. There's a, there comes a cost. There comes a cost with everything. To you and to the patient. Yes. For saying no. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so we accommodate our patients and their requests. Now, in order to do the dentistry, we have to have a certain fee structure for that kind of dentistry to happen, right? And we also have to have certain kind of staff, team members, who are willing to come in at midnight, who are willing to wake up at 2 a.m., uh, who are willing to work 80-hour a week. Um, but I have to be reasonable as well. And you got to compensate them for that. Uh, we have to compensate them for them. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So and talk to me about your team. Yeah. Okay, I want to Let me come back to this fees, okay? Okay. How do you charge double what I charge? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into full arch implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, 
mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course. It's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. I don't know. That That's a good question. I would love to spend some time with you. And I, I've always said that I want to come hang out with you yeah, in your yeah, practice. Because there's things I can learn from you. Absolutely. You can learn how to be mean to your patients. You know, I, I think <laughs> I think that you have to make a decision. And you have to realize that you may not recognize this, T-Bone, but you have patients in your practice where if you change the fees, if you quadrupled your fees, they they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna gripe about it, but they would not leave you. No, I don't think they so. Would because, not. because they yeah. know what they're going to get. Yeah. Good, absolutely. bad, or indifferent. They, yeah. At least they know what they're going to get. Yeah. You know, so, so I, listen, I, I just – I don't like talking numbers a lot on the program. But, exactly. So yeah. my, my fee for a hybrid uh, – so somebody that has term, terminally ill dentition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just sounds so horrible <laughs> saying that. Uh, somebody that's going to lose all the teeth or has lost their teeth and needs implant therapy with a fixed a fixed hybrid, uh, that's a thirty thousand dollars case in my practice. Okay, what is that in your practice? Uh, per arch, we're looking at seventy to one hundred thousand dollars. Okay, per arch. So where do you even come up with that that number from? You know, given the time, the energy that we put into it, we can line item by line item actually go ahead and calculate what it really costs, right? But the reality is, is that I know how much energy and and how much energy my team is going to put into that patient in that case. And so we, we figured out that there's a magic number. There were cases where I presented treatment that was even much more than that. And there were cases where I presented it at a much lower fee structure. And given the volume of procedures we were doing, the time we had available to do these patients, uh, treat these patients, we figured that this number made sense for us as a team to operate at the level that we were hoping to operate at uh, with the quality of prosthetics that we were hoping to deliver and not have to nickel and dime patients but certainly not also feel like we're not getting it out anything out of it from a reward standpoint. But what this also allows, what I've always heard you say, is you're, you're able to use the best. Always. always. But those, see, when I do a case for thirty grand, okay, yeah. and listen, that's a lot of money. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, but there there comes a time where I have to say, well, who's going to do the lab work? Because thirty grand at some point, sometimes some of these lab restorations can be ten grand in yeah. lab fee. Yeah, you know, I can't afford ten grand at a thirty thousand dollar fee structure. Sure. Uh, so and and so I think those are the the limitations that I I don't even give the patient the option of paying more. To be quite honest with you, and that's sad on my part. I should give my patient the option of paying. Hey, this is what a fifty thousand dollars will get you. Yeah. Right. And and see. So so ultimately, I think what you're doing. The the analogy I would use is you're giving everybody a Maybach. Okay, and I'm giving everybody a S class, and they're both fantastic, unbelievable cars. But some people want the Maybach, and some people don't have to pay for the Maybach yeah. at, at the fee structure that I'm hoping to uh, to, to treat them at. We don't turn people away. People if turn you away. People turn us away. Right? We want to treat a patient if they don't have the means to accomplish or to to go through a treatment at the fee structure that I'm hoping for. We we make it happen. That happens when I give myself options. I, I don't want to be boxed into a, a practice where I have to rely on a third-party lab to generate the work for me. So we embrace the fact that we have the ability to create our own lab. So you brought your own – so let's talk about that. Okay. So that brings into a team now, okay? Yeah. So to allow this to happen, to support your vision, to support your patient needs, to support your cases, you brought a lab into your office. That's correct. I realized that – and I love my assistants and their skill set is fantastic, as all of us do. It would have taken me 10,000 hours to train an assistant to become a master ceramist because that's the and art still of mastering have something. Gotten it. Yeah. And then you would have to spend more of your time in doing that. That's correct. And I recognized uh, several years ago that, you know what, there's actually probably a lab technician out there that I could very easily hire 
and train the lab technician to become an assistant. It would take me two months to train them to become an assistant. And I found someone just like that. I found a master ceramist who does all of our wax And that's Marina. And that is Marina. And what Marina brings to the table is really unthinkable. Literally, we have a situation now where we have a lab tech, a ceramist, who works with me chair-side so that even though we're doing a digital workflow with CEREC, for example, I can step away and, and have Marina actually do the design and see through the whole milling process and the finishing process and try and, whether it's just one tooth or full arch, and see through the whole process chair-side instead of doing it on a model because the model is in the chair. Yeah. And she can help through that process. The best process. articulator is the human being. Is the human being. The best judge of aesthetics is the human being whom yeah. you're cementing the work into. And so the reality is, is that that's brought a whole new lo- layer of thinking to the way we And that's how you can justify can your fees. Yeah. It's not that it costs you more because it probably saves you money, quite honestly, it, it does having Marina yes. in the office. Yeah. What it does is it gives you that... Hey, you know, Mrs. Jones, you know, one of the benefits of coming to our office is that you're going to work directly with the ceramist and she's going to work tirelessly to give you the result that you want until you're happy. Yeah. I really think that the future of of a modern practice is having access to a technician who can be chairside. And I'm not saying that everyone should go out there and hire a full-time ceramist. Because it comes at an expense. Those those, these technicians also require some technology. Yes, but like-minded people. I want to hire somebody. I've talked to you about it, but yeah. where do I find somebody? Because I see the value in it. Yeah. Because I, but see, here's more important, and this is what I want to get across to the team, to, sorry, to our listeners, is it may not make financial sense today. Today. But if you start it today, you'll grow into that and you'll slowly transform your practice to where you can never work without it. Exactly. Like it didn't make financial sense for you five years ago. No, not Okay, at all. Yeah. And it probably didn't make financial sense the day you hired Marina, but now today it makes way more sense that, in fact, you tell me that you might need a second person. That's correct. And so these are the challenges that we all have in our practices. And I think what defines my practice and T-Bone's practice and sets us apart is we take risks. Yeah. Because what's the worst thing I talk that about happen? that in my speaking event. You know, yeah. I, say, I say to somebody, and, I, and let's... Let's talk about that briefly. So, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this or, I mean, if, otherwise you wouldn't hear this. But so as you listen to this, you know, think about yourself. When you got out of school, how did you get to where you're at right now? You took a, you took a risk, R-I-S-K, right? It's a four-letter word. And, and I ask people, when's the last time you took a risk? And if I asked you when's the last time you take a risk, you could literally tell me last month, yeah. right? If you asked me when's the last time I took a risk, I said I went home and told my wife what in the world I did. Yeah. You know, so I literally <laughs> I took a risk with my life. But too many of our colleagues, the same ones that are complaining, that are saying, I want more, yeah. okay, they don't take risks. No. And, and, and so to me, the, the key is, is that, it, listen, if you're not complaining, if you're content and you're happy, don't do anything different. Yeah. Okay? But if you want something more, if you want something more for yourself, when's the last time you took a risk? I mean, yeah. what's the worst thing that happened? You hire Marina, six months later, it doesn't work, you part ways, and you've lost a little bit of money. But I've gained so much experience. Right. Experience and definition and how I can move forward. You know, the reality is, is that I I say this to a lot of our colleagues. Sometimes you have to jump. And sometimes that parachute's going to open and sometimes it's not. But you have to jump. You're not living unless you jump. Whether it's for some simple decision in your practice or some simple decision for your family, sometimes you have to jump. And otherwise, you're not living. Yeah, you know, you got to take that risk. Yeah. Bottom line, you got to take that risk. All right, so let's uh we're getting to the end here. Okay. So, um uh let me let, let me talk to you about something I give you grief about, okay? okay? Why why do you not have a general dentist associate in your practice? Um to be quite honest, you have an associate. Yeah, we have an associate. I, I but he's have, a prosthodontist. I have a, a prosthodontist who's an associate. He's faculty at Ohio State. And, the uh, Ohio State. The Ohio State you University. You're going to get a point taken off. And, uh, and Dr. Salida is his name. He's uh, phenomenal. He's a great teacher. But the reality is, is remember that concept that T-Bone and I talked about, about surrounding yourself with winners. Now, if I had found a general dentist who have the, had the mindset of, Thinking on yeah, the larger picture, comprehensive care. They, yeah, the, the, most of the general dentists that I would hire have their own practices. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why it was a hard. It was so hard for me to find an associate. But it's um, killing you not having one. You know, I, I think it is and it isn't. Not financially. I'm talking about mentally and physically. And I think it's holding you back because you're still doing fillings, Neil. It's true. Well, why in the hell are you doing fillings? Why in the world are you doing single crowns? <laughs> You know, at the end of the day... I mean, you, you can't charge your patients enough to justify your time to do a single crown. To do a single crown, you're, you're correct. There are things based on the mix of procedures that we're doing. Some people would analyze it and say, why are you doing single tooth dentistry? 
And I say, because I've built my practice for my patients, and that's what my patients need. Yeah, but why do you a, need an associate? I, I do probably need an associate. From a consultant prob- standpoint, absolutely. I would tell you, from <laughs> if we got Mona yeah. in here, from a yeah. psychiatric point of view, you need, you need an associate. That's very true. A general dentist associate. See, yeah. I told you to get an associate, and you went and got a prosthodontist. Yeah, that's right. That, that doesn't help you. I mean, that person's doing their own dentistry, that's right? That's true. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I'm open to finding an associate who is a general dentist who's willing to think outside the box. So listen, if you're yeah. listening to this yeah. and you're in dental school or you're disenchanted with your practice or wherever you're working, give Neil Patel a call. There we go. I appreciate uh, but, but, that. But do be, be prepared for him to drive you, for him to expect greatness out of you, for him to demand excellence. There you we know? go. And uh, so to me, uh, those are the things that you got to do. I mean, you got to do that. Absolutely. So I, I welcome that. I, I'd love to expand my my practice. What are your stresses? Yeah. My stresses, you know, my stresses are are pretty pretty simple. I get stressed by not having enough time in the day. I really don't. That's why the, you need an associate. That's why we need an associate. We we have a lot on our plates, both of us, yeah. you and I both. And the things that we do, we 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 have a full time practice. We're educators. We have families. Families. We have other businesses. Yeah. You and I both have other businesses outside of dentistry. And in life, it's all about balance. But what stresses me is when I have, I don't have any balance. And it's hard to find balance. It really is. But I think that it's, it's those kinds of things that stress me. I don't get stressed out by the dentistry. I can do the dentistry. I can do it with my eyes closed. I'm going to have good days and I'm going to have bad days. But I don't let it eat away at me. You know, I, I say that ultimately we're after three things. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're after either more money. We're after more time or we're after more professional satisfaction. Uh, I would say that, Neil, that you have enough professional satisfaction. You're doing the dentistry that you visioned and dreamed of, okay, Uh, that you will continue to take risks to do whatever your heart desires. That's correct. Uh, My guess is you're making enough money, okay, to where you don't need for the basic things in life. And you don't need for the ability to take risks because you make money. And you're a self-made person. You're You're not living off your parents or anything like that. And then my, my, my take on you, Neil, is that you need more time. Yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, time is what I need. Yeah. And yeah. how do we create that? We can't. We can't magically add a 25th hour. But what we can do, what we can do is learn how to manage our time better. No, you can take more vacations. We can take more vacations. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm and these are things that I'm that. actually learning from T-Bone. I, I yeah. think that he is a master of figuring those things out. And that's why I hang out with him because I'm always learning the things that I'm I'm not focusing on because he has a third party perspective and he's willing to share and evaluate. He's not afraid to tell the truth. And that's what I've come to learn and, and love about T Bone. You don't love me, man. I do love you. I'm Come just giving on. you a hard time. All right. So what C E suggestions would you give to our listeners? Well how do you, okay, if I'm listening to this and I say, you know what? I want to do what Neil's doing. Okay. How do I get there? You know, I, I really feel that and be specific, okay? Okay. Be, okay. I want you know give give some examples of CEs that you've taken. Okay, there are some that I can recommend that I have not taken, but because I get to hang out with these people on a weekly basis, I can feel comfortable recommending them to you. Without question, everyone needs to take some form of orthodontic education. And where would you recommend them to go? There's several. There's several places. You know, there's um, there's six month smiles, mm-hmm. short term orthodontics. We've got Rick DePaul in Ohio who with teaches Procs. with Power Procs, phenomenal uh, instructor there. We've got comprehensive orthodontic curriculum all over the United States with Gerber. Where did you and, learn? Um, you know, I, honestly, I took uh, six months smiles with Ryan Swain back in the day. Okay. And then after that, I realized that I just needed to look at resources that were already available. Reviewing the textbook that I got in dental school and Maybe orthodontic talking applications, to talking to specialists, hanging out with specialists, sharing cases. And, and learning from even you the know, It's interesting you say that, yeah. sharing cases. Uh, a lot of times my associate asked me this, like, how, do you get, how did you get this way? I said, well, I just relied on my specialists. Yeah. And they said, well, how do you do that? I said, I do something you don't do. I said, I take pictures of my work, mm-hmm. not just before, but also the after. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And, but yeah. you don't even know it's ugly or the bad until you share it with somebody and they share with you what's going yeah. on, right? Yeah. So this photography thing, I can't stress it enough for people that it's important to get patients to say yes, but it's also important for you to evaluate your work and get better at what you're doing. Can I ask you something. How yeah, do you course. organize your pictures? Let's talk about that. So I have a Windows computer at the office, unfortunately, because everything we do runs on Windows. Yeah. And basically, I put everything in, um, we put everything into our EagleSoft practice management system. And then what I do on my own personal note is the things that I'm doing for documentation, mm-hmm. I keep them by patient name in a, uh, basically in a file folder. Okay. And then I use Picasa from Google 
as my my album software essentially so it, it indexes everything and mm-hmm. allows me to search i can tag photos like if you know if, if somebody called me and said hey i need a seric anterior case mm-hmm. i could type in seric anterior and i could fee- find out who those cases are yeah. uh, and also since i'm using dropbox uh, what I do at the office also syncs to my computer at home and to my laptop. Absolutely. So, so while I'm here, uh, like I just had a guy uh, earlier out in the hallway ask me, and we're in Denver, Colorado right now. I had a guy earlier in the hallway ask me to take a look at a case, and I was able to pull up my cases on my phone oh, yeah. and say, this is a case like yours. You know, okay. This is how we handle this. That's great. You know, Some other CE courses... I would say, without question, if you're looking into implantology, uh, Dr. Arun Garg. Yeah, implantseminars.com. Implantseminars.com. Um, T-Bone's actually got a phenomenal digital dentistry course. Yeah, but that's but what I'm doing from is so different from Arun. Arun it is, is doing absolutely. fundamental implants, yeah. uh, which is great, and advanced implantology. I would say what me and you are doing is more along the technology side of implantology, integrating technology. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but, but people have to invest a lot of money, uh, yeah. take that risk to get there. What else? You no, know, honestly, this is one subject area that I feel most dentists have totally forgotten is just reading. You know, go to Quintessence. Quintessence is a publisher of some phenomenal textbooks and buy one book a month. Yeah. It's an and investment. you can buy them through Amazon. You can buy them through Amazon. Buy one book a month. Well, give me an example of a book that you would suggest everybody to read. The Art of the Smile. Okay. It's a phenomenal book on comprehensive treatment planning and seeing what the potential can be. Who's the author of that? Do you know? It's going to be Michael Cohen. Okay. Yeah. The Art of the Smile by Michael Cohen. Yes. Uh, on Amazon? Uh, it's on Amazon. It's at quintessencepublishing.com. Yeah, I just, Amazon makes everything easy. To yeah, absolutely. It just shows up in my Start door. with The Art of the Smile and look at that book because it'll talk about periodontics, orthodontics, fixed prosthodontics, smile makeovers with veneers, digital smile design looking at oral surgical applications. It's comprehensive. So you can actually see what it takes to master the art of the smile. I'm going to give two books. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give uh, Pascal Manier's book. Uh, what is it called? Bonded Porcelain Restoration. Sure. Unbelievable book. Yeah. Unbelievable book. Um, and that also is available through Amazon. And then I'm going to say you need to read Carl Misch's book on implantology. Yeah. Um, I, I believe he has two or three. He does, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and I, I have both or both or all three of those. And uh, so that's what I would say. So, so that's interesting, you know, in today's world. And listen, this is coming from people who make money educating people. Yeah. You know, myself and We you. have to learn from somewhere too, right? But, uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's ultimately it's about time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and money. For some people, it's money too, right? They don't yeah. have enough money to come pay thousands of dollars to come hear us teach them, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I always tell people there's nothing that we teach that you can't learn directly from us for free through Facebook, through our websites, uh, through the Google, through the YouTube. Through our through, articles. Through our articles, through, uh, you know, uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. and books. There's so much uh, information available out there. We're simply not. Okay, what about, uh, what else? Where'd you learn soft tissue grafting, bone grafting, stuff like that? T- textbooks. Literally, textbooks. I have not taken a soft tissue course other than the pinhole technique. That's okay. a requirement yeah. to do what, that procedure. What do you think about that? I, I think it's a phenomenal breakthrough. You know, honestly, there's a gingival recession is one of the most prevalent problems that I see amongst my patients. Because today, tooth loss is not a problem in my area, but gum loss is because of the nature. And people don't want to look long in the tooth. No. You know, they ag- uh, aggressively brush their teeth. The, do you do it? Do you use in the pinhole technique? I, I do. Absolutely. And, and it's, and it's uh, John Chow? It's uh, um, uh, Dr. Chow. Uh, I, I, I apologize. I don't know his first name. Yeah. I just call, know him as Dr. Chow. Uh, yeah. but, um, his real name is probably not John. It's, yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, because the Asians, you know, like Indians, everybody's yeah. Harry or Mike. <laughs> but their real name is like Mahinda Bukamala, you Yeah, know? that's right. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I think it's a great tool in my practice. We have to learn how to draw the line in terms of where to use it. But it's one of those things where it's made a, a dramatic change in the lives of patients that otherwise are not willing to go through traditional surgery. So you have to think about the ability to do these procedures are untapped in your practice unless you go out and learn how to do them. Yeah. Right? Everybody has patients in their practice. In fact, I think that by adding and educating yourself, you don't even have to go out and seek more patients. The patients oh, they're, are they're already in, in your practice. Yeah, I talk about that all the time. Your patients, what's within your practice? You yeah, know? yeah. What else, what, where else, what, else, what else would you recommend? Implants, I know you did your fellowship. Yeah. Um, I recommend, I recommend exploring overseas educational opportunities. To be quite honest, some of the European, our European counterparts are so progressive. It's un, unbelievable. You know, just like you had mentioned Style Italiano. Yeah. These, these educators out there who share their cases through Facebook, certainly that's an easy way for us to, to see their work. 
but they have curriculum in Europe, and and what That's they teach out there is just like Joseph Kunkula, his anterior serrex stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I want to go. The problem yeah. is time, right? I yeah. mean, like I call, I emailed him, uh, I uh, Facebook messaged him, which and, is amazing. And, uh, his place is called Dental Point. Yeah, Dental yeah. Point. But yeah. that's what's amazing is yeah. you can get in touch with anybody today, right? Yeah. And I, I Facebook messaged him and said, "Lude, listen, I want to take your class so badly. None of your dates work for me because I'm booked out all year." Yeah. Said, so "Tell me what you got for 2017." Yeah. You know, and he's like, "I haven't thought about it that far." I'm like, "But bam, I want to take it. I yeah. just need to know when I got to do it." Right? Absolutely. We should go together to that. Let's do that. Yeah. You know, I think what we can do that that something that has interested a lot of us is is bringing them to us. Yeah. So maybe T-Bone and I will create something, an opportunity where we create an international symposium on, on our home ground here. Yeah, it'd be yeah. easier. It'll be a lot easier. Although I, I wouldn't mind going to Prague. It's yeah. beautiful I city. heard it's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Well, talk to me. Last thing. Yeah. I keep saying the last thing. I keep <laughs> want to ask you so much I want to ask you. I keep saying I'm going to make these episodes 45 minutes and then never. I don't right. know how long and, we are already. Yeah, well, but, we're yeah. probably at uh, almost an hour now. Okay. So, uh, so a couple of questions, okay? What would you do differently looking backwards? You know, um, I would, to be quite honest. I want you to be honest. I know it's a dentist, tough question. Dentistry has consumed me. Okay. I love it. It's a hobby for me, but it's consumed me. Where if someone were to say, well, what are you doing this weekend? I'm, I'm reading a textbook on dentistry because I enjoy it and yeah. I want to do it. But it's consumed me and I, I feel bad. I feel bad for my family too because that's all I think about. That's what – it's the subject of my conversations and my family is – learned that about me but it's not appropriate at times yeah. and um it's it's kind of depressing but even though i love it well, even though it's my hobby interview it's right no no, no. so yeah. i think i think it's all about balance don't let dentistry consume you where it's the only thing that you're known for i i, I would love to be a great golfer like yeah you, but you right? did dancing with ohio didn't you did, didn't you do yeah yeah i did I, i've tried to do some things outside you looked very weird in that outfit by the way i uh, just want to tell you well why were you looking at me i'm just saying i mean you sent <laughs> pictures of it out for us to vote for you and stuff you know like you would never catch me dead number one you're much fitter than i am okay you would never catch me dead in that outfit <laughs> that's too funny sequences yeah and just, you know come uh, on did dude. i really have sequences I, I don't know about that but glitter or something you know makeup <laughs> god knows yeah, I, I would I would explore life a little bit more and not make dentistry the only thing that I'm known for. You know, it's interesting yeah. you say that. Um, we've made a commitment in our, in our home uh, to pre-plan six vacations a year. Okay. And uh, what's important about that is we pre-plan it the whole year out. Okay. And we plan it around our, our kids' vacation schedule from sure. school. And it's really allowed me. And, and what works out that way is we take these – Almost every six to eight weeks, okay. we get we get this little break where it's a, maybe it's you know typically it's a week long and um and it's really really allowed me when I'm in the office to focus on what I'm doing yeah and know and it, see what happens is a lot of this and I don't I don't listen I love on me and I love your kids yeah. okay I think a lot of the pressure you feel is them putting the pressure on you mm -hmm. rightfully so absolutely okay rightfully yeah. so and and I was getting a lot of that pressure a few years back. Uh, because, you know, we're on the road 30 times a year. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, full-time practice, uh, you know, young kids. Uh, how old are your kids now? Nine, six, and two. Nine, six, and two. Mine are 10, eight, and six, right? Yeah. So, um, so you know, a lot of that, uh, we they put the pressure on us, right? So I, I found that when I committed to booking these things in advance yeah. and allowing my wife to have control of that, they knew that I was going to dedicate one week of time to them. Yeah. And then so they gave me a little bit more leeway to chase my passion yeah. during during that non-vacation time, right? That's awesome. And so I, I would say that to you, that if you can, you know, let your, let let them do it. I know you're a control freak, okay? Yeah. But I know I know Ami wears the pants at home, okay? Oh, absolutely. So um, <laughs> so uh, you know, let her go ahead and book out six 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 vacations a year. Okay. And uh, you know, and Mona just calls my team and says, "Hey, these are the days he's going to be out." Yeah. And uh, I don't have a say in it. Yeah. And um and what happens is now they know that no matter what because we never make time there's always some new CEO yeah. or some new important customer or some new must-do lecture or yeah. some lecture that we want to do. Or right? invitation to be somewhere. Or yeah. something, right? Yeah. There's always something that comes up and so when and I learned this from Imtiaz was that you got to schedule out your life. Yeah. And I w I would say that that was unbelievably important uh, for me and what it did indirectly is it took some of the pressure that they put on me. Mm -hmm. Uh rightfully so again. I'm not saying that they're bad in putting the pressure on me, but it relieved some of that pressure. So I would tell you uh that may be very helpful for you as well okay. to give them that permission to do that. 
with that, I would absolutely take that advice and I'm going to do it. Yeah, you should. Appreciate Just it. Just like you told me you were going to get an associate and you end up with a prosthetist. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're thinking. That's too funny. And I, and I want to know, how do you, do you shave this mustache every day? Uh, no, no, no. About once a week. Yeah. Once a week. It's just for you. I mean, it's a pencil. It's literally a – and then you got this little thing down here. I don't even know. What is that called? I don't know. I think like a love patch. Is that oh, something, that is? I guess. And yeah. then now you have black – now you have black masks. <laughs> it's all about branding. And then you have black instruments. Black instruments, black masks, black lab coats. Black gloves. Black gloves, black stone, black wax. I mean, we, we try to be consistent with our brand in our practice. What are you, goth? I'm not goth. I guess I'm dentally goth, Yeah. That's yeah. crazy, dude. Yeah. Neil, it was so much fun. Awesome. Thank you for having me, T-Bone. You're always How a How do pleasure. people get in touch with you? Easy. I, you can look, at, look me up through Facebook. Neil Patel, N-E-A-L Patel. If you don't know how to spell Patel, you're not living in America. That's correct. P-A-T-E-L. <laughs> and if it says Motel next to it, that's not him. Yeah. Infinite Smiles. I'm in Powell, Ohio. My email is pretty easy. It's drpatel, Dr. Patel, at infinitesmiles.com. How do you spell infinite smiles? I-N-F-I-N-I-T-E smiles.com. And I think the best way to get in touch with us is I think everybody should come to, to our events. Should come to a 3D summit. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're, they're 300 bucks. They're cheap. Absolutely. If you don't like it, we'll buy you a beer. We Serono will buy you a beer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even better. That's, that's the Indian in us. Everybody, thank you for listening. I hope you have found this uh, conversation as wonderful as I have. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.